This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios, presented by Delish Hamburgers. Speak Studios is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios and at their website, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. Hey, this is Erin and Melissa. And we're with Trending Spokane, a weekly podcast all about the latest in the Lilac City. Finding out what is happening right now in Spokane can be overwhelming, but not if you're an insider. Join us as we shine light onto the latest happenings and chat about the future of our city. Each episode will introduce you to people you want to know, places you need to visit, and local knowledge you can't live without. We'll help you to get out and get involved. Episodes are dropping soon, so make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast now. Welcome to Trending Spokane with Aaron Peterson and Melissa Berry. We're going to get started with the Fast Five, which is cool things to know, see, and do here in Spokane. And right now, the number one trending thing that's happening in our city is something that our wonderful guest, Keontha Duncan, has just done, and that is vaccines are becoming more widely available for everybody. Throughout the state, there has been a really high-quality rollout. It's been pretty organized. At first, they started a little bumpy, but they've been more effective at getting vaccines to people who need them and want them. There's a site here at the arena to vaccinate people, but there are also other local organizations doing that. Where did you get your vaccination? I was able to get mine at the Native Project, a collaboration with the NAACP, the Carl Maxey Center. And we also have a a clinic coming up at the MLK East Central Clinic this weekend. So there's lots of places that are getting this good thing in. Yeah, there's a clinic right next to my house that a friend let me know about, and it is just, like, I mean, a couple blocks away. Um, There's a trailer park near us, so they're trying to do more outreach into the area, and they had a couple of spots that were empty, and nobody was using them, and so they said, come on over and get your vaccine. That's that's, great. That's incredible, because there are so many people who are limited by, you know, movement and being able to get to these designated locations, so I think that'll be a powerful way to get people connected. And if you're feeling the stress of COVID, then you'll probably want to get away for a little bit. And one of those places that you can get away is at the tiny house on Newman Lake. I'm a big fan of Airbnbs. And if you've never stayed, have you ever stayed I've in a I've not, tiny house? no, but tell me about this. It sounds house. interesting. It's very cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have watched a couple of episodes of that tiny house show. I have seen that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated how people can live in such small spaces, but I know that, you know, over time, people have kind of grown the size of their homes, the size of even rooms are larger now. But this cute little tiny house, I'll put the link on our episode so that you can get a chance to stay at this place yourself. I absolutely loved it. It's right on Newman Lake. They have a variety of activities to do while you're there because they're connected to a resort that's next door. They have paddle boats. They have those little water trikes that you can use. They have canoes. They have paddle boards. Everything you can imagine that's on the water. Um, And it has a beautiful view of the lake. You wake up in the morning and make your coffee, and all you see is this beautiful serenity. And it's kind of off... I think toward the east end of the lake, so it's much quieter. Um, toward the middle of the day, boating is really popular, but everything is all in one little spot. There's a loft bed that's up above everything with a view of the lake as well, and a little couch. They have a TV. They have movies that you can watch. It was kind of stormy the night that we were there, but we still had a fantastic time. And very close by is Embers, some of the best pizza in our region, and again, you know, right on the lake. But, man. It was such a sweet getaway. 
And are there any Airbnbs in this area that you've been to that you really love or not yet? Um, well, just talking about the tiny house thing, I stayed at a tiny house in Seattle and they are really, really interesting. My husband is six two though, so he didn't have as much of a fun time, but he just stayed downstairs and you know, didn't try to like climb up on anything. But yeah, they're really interesting. I think the only like challenge that I would have is I like, I would really want like a really big bathroom if I were going to live yeah. in a tiny house. Like I feel like I could deal with a smaller bed, but the tight bathrooms, I'm kind of just like, ah, oh, like I really love a tub, you know? Yeah, that is weirdly a little stressful in a tiny house yeah. but for a day to be able to stay in a remote location I oh, think yeah. it's totally it's worth it. yeah, yeah to stay there absolutely to live maybe not but yeah. a visit is really fun and it's just really unique like how many people can say you know I've stayed in a tiny house on a lake and yeah yeah it's a great time and speaking of a great time you can go to Maine Market to get some amazing local quality produce. Is that a place that you've ever visited? Kiyonka? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. Always find really good treats there. Oh, yeah. Their bakery is mm-hmm. amazing. And they have a great lunch counter that you can grab and go. I find if I'm going down to Riverfront Park and like maybe I want to see the light show, you can grab a quick sandwich or something from their counter and have a wonderful meal out in the park. Beautiful. And they'll also have plant starts for the spring that are all locally grown. So that's cool. If you're a gardener, you can get some plant starts for your yard. And after you're done with all that gardening, you'll probably want to go to Mary Hill. Have you ever been? Oh, speaking of views, I love Mary Hill's views when you sit outside at least. And that's all I've ever sat is outside. I love their wine flights. Have, have you been I've to not Mary? been to Mary Hill. <gasps> okay. That's definitely a place that you're going to need to okay. take someone special. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> the view of the city is unmatched. It's, it's right next to Verace. Okay. Well, now Versalia. Versalia. They've changed their name. Yeah. Out in Kendall Yards. Mm-hmm. And you can see all the lights of the city. The, um, the valley below, and the wines are exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of things that are exceptional and exceptionally fun, the Comedy Club, the Spokane Comedy Club is back now, and they have a bunch of big names coming soon. Whitney Cummings is coming to Spokane, so that's one of the people that will be there. I already have my tickets for Damon Wayans Jr. in October. <laughs> He's funny. He is so Mm -hmm. funny and Mm -hmm. so charming. I just, every show that he's ever been on, he cracks me up to no end. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be a really fun one. And they have cocktails and some food that you can get. Is that a place you've ever visited? Of course I've been there. I've had hot dogs and and, and, and red vines there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That is exact. I always get a hot dog. Mm -hmm. I think it's the Robin Williams that's my jam. It's like the jalapeno cream cheese. It's so weird, but... Yeah, I love it. That's kind of my thing. Uh, Now, we want to talk about something that you can do to help other people. And we're big fans of Jules Helping Hands. We had Julie Garcia on our last episode. So we would like to encourage you to go to their Instagram or to their Facebook and learn more about what they do to help the homeless members of our community every single day of the year. They're able to provide housing overnight for people who are really struggling. And right now, 30% of their guests are unable to care for themselves. So if you want to do something good for our community, go to Jules Helping Hands on Instagram or Facebook. And we are going to introduce an important guest today. Officially now, we've been chatting with her about the Fast Five, but someone I'm a huge fan of and who, interestingly enough, I met because of some signs in my yard. (laughs) And because of flowers. <laughs> and her name is Kiantha Duncan. Hello. 
Yes. Hi, Kianta. So Kianta is an expert in the field of diversity and inclusion, and we'll be talking to her about what resources are out there specifically for Spokenites, what's going on in the community to promote racial equity, and more. The topic of racial equity has been a highly, highly charged one due to commentary from people in leadership positions, the Black Lives Matter movement, and social media discourse surrounding both conscious and unconscious biases. And today's chat is going to be an ambitious one, but we plan on learning a great deal about this subject matter from a powerhouse for change and someone who has a great heart for intentional kindness and bringing people to the table for conversations that are really life-changing. We're going to be talking about breaking barriers to meaningful conversation by leading with love. Kiantha is one busy lady. She is the program officer for Empire Health Foundation, a columnist at Black Lens, and as of this year, the current president for the Spokane NAACP. She is also a board member at the Girl Scouts of Eastern Washington and North Idaho, the African American Steering Committee at the Spokane Regional Health District, and she's on the Diversity, Diversity Advisory Committee at Spokane Public Schools. She also happens to be my neighbor and a volunteer auntie to my sons, which I am so grateful for. And because we met in such an unusual way, we've maintained that connection, and I have grown so much more um, appreciation for the woman that she is and for what she's accomplishing right here in our city. So let's dive right in. I know that you have lots to say on this topic because you've had a very varied amount of experience with racial equity, and with bringing people to the table who may not otherwise be very um, willing to discuss such challenging topics. Uh, the thing that I admire most about you is how you approach these conversations. And I would like to know a little bit more about your philosophy for creating meaningful discourse with people who don't understand what it's like to live in your shoes. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know that I have a, a technique that is so unique, although I hear that every day from people. And I really just say it's, it's just leading with your heart. Lead with your heart. So when you get into a conversation, when you are engaging with a person, when you're meeting someone new, when you're meeting someone different, you lead with the part of you that is love, which means you're open. You know, love is open. Love says, who are you? Tell me your experiences. How'd you get to think that way? And help you to understand how I got to think the way that I do in my experiences. So that's really what I try to do um, and use as my leading driver for all the work that I do in, in all the different areas is just to lead with love. As corny as that sounds, it's super corny, really. <laughs> I am not that cool. So it's super corny, but that's the way. That's the way. It may be corny, but it's effective. Okay. And we can see that in the connections that you're making throughout the city. Okay. So along that line, what are some of the barriers that we have when we're discussing race here in America? I would say the number one barrier is uh, the feeling of guilt and shame around the conversation. So that keeps people away from the conversation because if you are a person that is not a person of color, you come into the conversation feeling, um, like I said, guilt and shame about things that have happened. You feel like you are being held personally responsible for things that ancestors might have done. And so you carry the weight of that. So that is the thing that, that makes those conversations the most difficult. But when you're able to separate individuals from systems 
and help people to understand there is a system in place that um, really bred racism. But that doesn't mean that you are the person that bred racism. That doesn't mean that you are contributing to that. You are just in the system because we're all in the system, but you can make choices to, to uh, do it differently and to uh, move in the world differently. So helping people to really understand that so that they don't take it personally and they don't feel like, oh no, this is an attack or now I'm such a horrible person. Nobody wants to feel like a horrible person. Nobody. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I want to be horrible. So how do we help people have conversations and engage in conversations without that weight of guilt? That Because that's how you're going to have transformative conversations is to lose the weight of guilt. I empathize with that guilt really greatly yeah. because on my mother's side, my ancestor going way back to the foundation of America was the first and longest serving governor of Massachusetts, which was really mm. shocking to me. And that was always a great source of pride for me. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, you think, oh, this wonderful person was back in. And then I started reading more deeply mm-hmm. and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. The things that he participated in very willingly and the reputation that he had for being so heartless and violent and taking over land. And, mm-hmm. oh man, I had to sit in that discomfort for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. When you really, as a white person, start to think about these systems that have been put into place, it can be incredibly uncomfortable. So, with that in mind, despite that discomfort, what are some ways that the average person, regardless of race, can start to learn about these issues and wade into that water? Approach the issues from a place of learning. That's first. So if you come to the conversation or you come to the opportunity to learn, um, just like new, wide open, I just want to figure this out. I want to read as much as I can. I want to understand as much as I can. If you approach it that way, instead of from a defensive place or like this bad thing that it's saying happened, I am somehow connected to it, which then makes me bad. Like figuring out how to not look at it from that way. So your your um, story of your uncle is perfect. That's perfect, actually, because did the work that he, um, was it, is it something to be proud of that he was the longest standing governor, was it? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's something to be proud of. That's that's an accomplishment. Now, the way that he may have done it is not the best way. So there's two things that can exist in tandem, right? There can be this sense of pride on um, one side of it, and then the flip side is that it wasn't done in the best way. But if you approach it just saying, I just want to know more about it. I, I want to understand who this person was, um, why they made the decisions that they made, who was impacted by the decisions that they made, without feeling like I need to defend them, then you usually get a little bit further. Yeah, and people are so multifaceted. Absolutely. You, you bring out a really good point in that there may be some things that he accomplished that were wonderful. That's right. But there was, there was a side to that that isn't great. And I think as individuals, being willing to look at those little pieces of ourselves, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that we are doing to harm others can be a really great way to grow, even though it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I had a question about what caused you to get involved in promoting racial equity. What what got you started on this? <laughs> you know, so it's an interesting story. And in, in very short, um, my entire life's work has really been around humanitarian causes. So not necessarily racial 
uh, racially driven work. It's just about making the world a better place, a more accessible place, and a healthier place for every single human being, every single one. And it seems like in our society, like we just have been dealing with so much racial pressure that that sort of became the leading force behind the work the most recent years. But it, it was never just about, you know, supporting people of color. For me, it's always been everybody. How do we make sure everybody is cared for and people of color are in that everybody for me? And within that, I know that for some people, this episode might bring up a lot of feelings yeah. of fear or anger even yes. because the Black Lives Matter movement was so um, inflaming for some mm -hmm. and such, well, I think it, it really touched everyone mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. But, and also the NAACP just as an acronym, uh, mm -hmm. is that an acronym? Mm -hmm. As an acronym can be really intimidating and yes. overwhelming. Yes. People think, well, you know, what exactly are we getting ourselves into and what is this all about? Yeah. So for the average person who knows you, yeah. we all know that your heart is in love <laughs> for this, you know, organization, not just because of what it has stood for in the past, but where it is right now. That's right. So how would you explain um, to the average Spokaneite, what the NAACP can do for them if they were to become a member. Absolutely. So let me let me back up just a little bit to address another thing that you said, mm -hmm. that you know people were really um, touched sometimes in good ways and sometimes in not so good ways by the Black Lives Matter movement and trying to understand what that meant and and the connection or disconnect from it. The civil rights movement really was the original Black Lives Matter movement. So it's not new. It's not new. This is the same stuff. The NAACP, 112 years ago, when it was founded, was founded for Black Lives Mattering. That is the same thing. Now, what is different is that the Black Lives Matter movement has been primarily led by a younger generation. So, of course, you're going to feel a different level of fury and passion and fire in the way that they express their their um, thoughts and beliefs around Black Lives Mattering. But it is not different. It is not separate from the civil rights movement. It is the same. And so people who are able to justify in their minds how they can connect with the civil rights movement should be able to also understand that they too can connect with the Black Lives Matter movement because it is one and the same. NAACP, without the support of white people, non-black, non-people of color, without the support of those individuals, there would be no NAACP. That's the other thing that people don't understand. And so I get ca uh, called and um, questioned every day, I'm telling you, by somebody that says, Kiantha, is it okay for me to be in the NAACP? <laughs> like, I am a white woman. Can I be in the NAACP? And I often say the NAACP is your organization too. The NAACP is an organization for anyone, anyone of any race, any, 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 anything, as long as you believe in equity, equality, justice, access for everyone. You are the NAACP. We actually have a new campaign that's going to be starting pretty soon. Uh, and the campaign is around I am the NAACP so that some of the folks who are white members of the NAACP can share 
why they choose to be a part of the organization and what that means for them. So initially when the, the organization was started 112 years ago, of course it was started because there was a group of black people that said, you know, we have to stand together and stand for the rights of people of color. We have to do that. But in doing that, they were only able to advance that cause because there were white people who were similar to abolitionists who said, you know what, you guys are right. We do need to have rights for all. And so we'll stand with you. So even now in 2021, without having people who are not people of color as a part of the organization, we would be 10 steps behind where we can be. And so I often welcome and encourage people who are not people of color to join the organization because your strength increases our strength. And the stronger we are as a community of membership community, then the more change we can make in the communities in which we live and and learn. And there's so much power in diversity. I can't tell you how much it benefits everyone to be able to make these types of connections. And the most recent event that you had, speaking of Black Lives Matter, was actually at the Black Lives Matter mural, Mm -hmm. which has, you know, suffered from attacks and has vilified even the people who created it out of a heart of love for, you know, this movement and for the change that it's producing in America and the opportunity for conversations, like you said, Mm -hmm. that can be so intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, But that most recent event that you had was everyone coming to see this incredible digital art display where they did projection mapping and brought that mural to life Mm -hmm. in it was so moving, and I heard you say something about Boots Bakery. And yes. yes, so I was super excited to connect with my friend Allison over at Boots Bakery, and I asked Allison, I said, listen, we are going to uh, have our monthly NAACP meeting, which is on the third Monday of every month, and instead of meeting virtually, we're going to go out to the exhibit as a field trip. <laughs> and so <laughs> we invited all of our membership to come out to the exhibit, and I wanted to be able to provide coffee, uh, hot apple cider, and hot cocoa for the folks that were there. And so Boots Bakery immediately jumped in and said, yes, we want to be a part of this. We'll absolutely provide the beverages for you. And I got to be a barista for one day. (laughs) I did get fired after my first day, uh, but I did get a chance to serve, you know, probably 200 cups of something to uh, the guests that were there. And what I I really loved about that uh, opportunity opportunity was in leadership, even in leadership in the NAACP, our core component, um, or, or I would say core requirement for leaders is that you are willing to serve at any level. So that means the president of the NAACP can be your barista. <laughs> so, and happily so. So I loved getting a chance to meet so many people and uh, just talk to, to community about the event and just the ability to be together in a space that was really monumental for people at which I didn't expect that that would be but folks came up to me and said Kiantha I have not really been close to another human in so many months that this is like the best thing to ever happen and everyone was masked and you know we were outside it was an outside event but it really was uh, community building in a creative way and so I love opportunities to do that and I'm looking for more and more opportunities to get the NAACP out of its traditional box, right? So let's move into some creative spaces and have some creative collaborations so that we can build the organization that we really want to be a part of. 
Yeah, and that collaboration with Terrain for that oh, beautiful yes. mural. Absolutely. I went out when it was very first painted and finished and had a fabulous conversation with a gentleman from the apartments nearby who was critiquing each piece and how it represented this part of this culture. And each letter came from a different artist Mm -hmm. who was inspired by a particular theme and then brought that to the terrain team for judging and then for placement on, you know, each one of those letters as an an honor. I Mm -hmm. thought it was just such a beautiful representation of this collaboration of artists. Absolutely. And terrain, uh, you know, I also, <laughs> under the many hats, uh, get to sit on the board for terrain. And I can tell you this, that my number one reason for accepting the offer to sit as a board member and to serve that organization was because I understand completely the importance of art mm. in communities like ours especially in communities like ours. So we are in a a city that is predominantly white, 89% white, 2% black, 2% indigenous, 2% uh, Latino or Latinx. And so in a community like that, that is the best place to use art as a means of conversation regarding bigger issues that may not be addressed in a city like that. So it took complete bravery for Terrain to be willing to take on a project like that. And I think that they have, through that project, created hundreds, if not thousands, of conversations and entry points for people to come into the talk about racial injustice, biases, um, equality, and that's that's amazing. That, that's amazing. So I, I hope that people understand, really, the value of having an organization that is committed to arts and arts education like Terrain is. That's great. Yeah, I think it's, I'm really excited about the campaign that you have coming up to say, you know, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of the group. I've seen that done for other organizations before, and I think think it's been very successful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good way, especially for the younger people who may have, you know, outdated views of what the NAACP was. Right. And for, you know, them to get involved, but also a lot of younger people of all races to get involved too, to say, oh, okay, this is something I can join, and I don't have to think that it's, you know, from the 60s or 70s when it was our parents or right, <laughs> things right. like that. And the, the NAACP, if, if you look back at um, civil rights era, the NAACP was critical, critical. I mean, the number one most critical organization in uh, moving communities forward to understand uh, social justice and racial justice. But what has happened is that model that was used 50 years ago is, you know, there are a lot of young people that say, oh, that's so old school. That was then. It's, we don't do things that way now. And so this is actually an opportunity for even those young folks who think that way to come in and influence how the organization moves in its next iteration. Mm-hmm. It is not the, at least I can speak for the NAACP Spokane, <laughs> is, not, is not an organization that is so committed to keeping things the same that we are not open for new ideas and new ways of doing business. I absolutely invite everyone to the table. I think if, if and I've said this to my friends in, in personal conversations, if you don't have a group of millennials that are in your ear constantly, you are missing the mark. You are <laughs> missing true. the mark because they see things just differently than most of us do. And they have a way of 
uh, living life and understanding life from a place of no boundaries. Mm. And that is good. So that's the kind of energy that we need in the NAACP in 2021. Come and show us how to think without boundaries. Show us these other ways of doing this. How might this be interesting to younger generations and how might we keep it relevant in today's time? So if you don't if you don't have some millennials, I do have some to borrow out. I've got a great group of about 20 millennials that keep me on track. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think every generation has a different way of looking at things and one of the things that I feel has been plaguing the perception of the NAACP in this 90% white community is that tendency to vilify the organization, yes. which I think is so unfortunate yes. based on previous generation's perception at that time of the change that was happening. So what are some ways that you're trying to address that misconception about what the organization does in Spokane? Well, I'll tell you this. I I don't actually do anything intentionally to address that misconception because I don't waste my time on that kind of stuff. I feel like I don't want to get caught up in that. I've heard heard the misconceptions and I've heard the comments. Certainly, there have been people who have said things like, the NAACP in itself is a racist organization because you're only caring about the advancement of black people. And so... When I hear someone say that, I realize that their their emotion and their feeling is much deeper than just that comment. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to engage around that comment alone, we'd never get anywhere because it's not the comment. It's the deeper stuff that needs to happen. So I don't usually address it at all. Um, but what I will say is that if people could understand that if there if there was equality, if there was equality, there would have never been a need to say, hey, what about blacks? What about people of color? So that came out of a need. The development of that organization came out of a need because there was a critical misstep happening in society and how we were supporting people of color. So that's we, we didn't make the problem up, and the NAACP was sort of a, a solution to a larger problem. So I think, to, to me, if a person wants to have those conversations, I'm happy to talk about that. But I have no way of convincing you that the NAACP is not a, a racist organization. If that's what you want to believe, you're going to believe that anyway. And since we're going so deep right yeah, now, yeah, this let's is, do it. Let's lean in. Let's do it. I know that for some people... Saying the word racist can be so upsetting. Yes. And it's something that, as a professional educator, especially in a Title I school that had a very diverse population, Mm -hmm. from Marshallese to, I mean, every different type of person that you could hope to have influence other kids in your classroom so that you can give them this experience with diversity, um, it was life-changing to really start looking at the systems that are in place that can be oppressive and can take away rights. Like we're just seeing this last week in Georgia, Mm -hmm. the passage of, you know, a voting restriction act that's going to cause people Mm -hmm. so much pain and stress to be able to get to vote. Imagine in Washington state, we get our ballot mailed right to us. We can vote in our pajamas with Mm -hmm. our cup of coffee. We can be researching on our phone. 
right while we have our ballot, there's such a great advantage to that. But people in the South, and I've, I've lived in the South for a total of six years, um, you have to wait in line sometimes for hours upon hours and then travel great distances to be able to even get to vote. So that system has been put in place by the people who are in um, positions of power in their House of Representatives and their State Senate. So it brings about an important question. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible to be racist without even realizing it? Yes, yes, yes. It is absolutely possible to be racist without realizing it. And most people are. That's the other thing. Most people are racist, racist from a place of not knowing and not realizing it. Let me give you an example. Yesterday I was having a conversation with the Business Journal of Spokane. And I was talking to a group of business leaders and helping them to understand how to really diversify their workforces and how to make their organizations more appealing to, to people of color. And I, I, the example that I, I began to talk about with them is if you look at the leadership of any corporation, right, nine times out of 10, nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 of the top leaders have always been white men just within recent years you know within the last 20 years I'll say we now see white men and some white women but it's still mainly white men so you say that's but they're not racist that's not why they did that I mean it's just they picked the people with the best qualifications okay so let's unpack that why are those people the ones with the best qualifications is it because they're really smarter and better than everyone else or is it because they were the ones that were giving were given access to education, access to resources. Were they the ones giving the, given the key? So if they were the ones given the key, then the people who were giving the keys out, were they racist? Uh, yeah, if they made sure to only give the key to that profile of person, then that is what that is. Does that mean that they're horrible and should be stoned? No. That's not, that's not what it means. And to admit that you have racist beliefs or have even practiced and engaged in um, racist or biased measures does not mean that you're a horrible person that should be stoned. We're not stoning anybody, not in 2021. I don't believe in that. And if anybody's trying to stone anybody, even if you are a racist actively and someone tries to stone you you call me because I won't let them stone you but um, you know it really is a matter of just being able to identify the things that are a part of who you are that make up your beliefs and your world and then being able to critically look at them and say oh yeah that is racist yeah okay so now let's just do it different that's it no stoning no one needs to die (laughs) we just need to do it differently that's it and that I, I think again, goes back to how do we approach these conversations from a place of love, saying that everyone is valuable. I cannot say that black lives matter if I don't believe white lives matter. Simply put, all the lives matter, including the black ones. (laughs) So all of them. And so in, in living that out, what that means is that we are open we're open to everyone evolving. So nobody is, you know, sent off, banished to an island. No. <laughs> and it's really easy for people to create misconceptions in their head, even yes. from a young age. I can remember when my brother was little. Oh my 
gosh, this story, you guys. He was probably about eight, nine years old, and his best friend was black, named Marcus. Uh-huh. And he and Marcus loved playing basketball, and James is short. He's a short little Irish boy, you know. That's our family history. And he wanted so badly to play basketball well. So he was out shooting probably... 100, 150 hoops out in the, you know, front yard. And I went up to him and he was just dripping with sweat and so stressed and looked really frustrated. And I said, James, are you okay? Because he's always been a high achiever. He goes, no. I said, well, what's wrong? He goes, well, I'm practicing, but I'll never be as good at basketball as Marcus because he's black. (laughs) (laughs) And so, look, please tell your brother called me, okay? (laughs) Just in case he still doesn't know the truth about it. Marcus wasn't good at basketball because he was black. (laughs) Marcus was good at basketball because he was athletic. That is, it has nothing to do with black. You know, are there, are there people of color who are, uh, who excel in things like athletics and, and sports? Yes, but keep in mind and keep in perspective that those were the areas that blacks were allowed to excel in. So of course, that's what you're going to think. All black people can play sports. They all can dance. They all can, you know, there's this rhythm thing, all of that. When the truth is, this is all really by design, the system designed in a way where black people were, it was okay for us to entertain you. It was okay for us to, um, you know, bring, uh, competition in sports and that kind of thing because it was of benefit to the greater community so that is where our value was but it's not because marcus <laughs> was black <laughs> that and was hi, marcus. hi marcus we, we love you hi marcus yeah you know i think it's so powerful that we can address those types yeah. of generalizations yes and start to grow and learn because, you know, nine-year-old kids, they're going to think what they think. But as adults, sometimes we hold on to those things absolutely, and still create this perception of reality and of the world. And it's conversations like this that open that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you make a really good point, too, about the unconscious bias because I feel like a lot of what I've heard is that, you know, you were talking about the, the boardroom mm-hmm. and how, you know, nine out of ten, it's probably mm-hmm. going to be a white guy and then mm-hmm. maybe the tenth person is a white woman. And I think a lot of people th- say, you know, I worked really hard to be where I was. That's why I am where I am. Mm-hmm. But when you start reading more about this, you realize that it's the system, like you said, and it's also who you network with, too. And so when your networking rooms are, you know, the bar or wherever they are That's nowadays, right. I forgotten because of COVID, but you know, (laughs) wherever you go to network, if everyone in that networking meeting is one gender, one, (laughs) one race, then it does kind of set you up with, when you think about the job that you have next, who did you meet, you know, last Friday, he would be great for that position. You know, that's the kind of thing. So when we talk about unconscious bias, what do you recommend? Do you recommend, you know, books or social media accounts to follow to help people understand? It's not, you know, that you were the best and that's why you got the job. I mean, you know, there's elements of that. But like you said, how can you break down understanding the system behind where we got to where we are today? So there is, I mean, of course, there are lots of podcasts and lots of books that you can read, but the The one piece of uh, media that I I often send people to is so corny and so old, but it is really an amazing little video vignette. And it's called A Case of the O's. 
A Case of the O's. And so you can find it on YouTube. And it's this very short clip. I think it was made in like early 80s or something. But it really talks about the difference of, uh, it talks about race without saying the word race. And it talks about system systems and systematic oppressions without saying systems or systematic oppression. And it just tells the story of the group of the X's and the group of the O's and what it's like to be an X in an O world or O in an X world and what it's like to be an X that is expected to um, outperform all of the other X's to be included in an O environment. So it is really, to me, the easiest way to like start to um, mold your mind around just even understanding that there may be something deeper than just what's at the was at the surface. So a case of the O's. It's really, really good. It's really, and I think it's about eight minutes, eight or nine minutes. It's really good. There are so many resources available yes. that are, you know, Rachel Cargill. Gosh, I can think of so many great women who, and Stacey Abrams, yes. to be able to really just listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the key is for any person of any race or background to listening to the other you know, people's experiences and learning then about the history, um, even in this area. I mean, I did a really troubling little bit of research about Chinatown Ooh, yes. in Spokane. Mm-hmm. That was scarring. And you can learn more about that on social media, too. Um, but where can people find you on social media? Because, you know, I happen to be a big fan of the encouraging posts that you put up every day, I mean, seriously, brightens my whole attitude towards so many different things that are not only just happening in our city, but just how we've been feeling, and Mm -hmm. especially with COVID. Mm -hmm. So you can certainly find me on Facebook, Kiantha Duncan on Facebook. There's only one of me. (laughs) Not that there's one Kiantha, because I'll tell you, I have two friends that are also named Kiantha. One that lives in Coeur d'Alene, Kiantha Shattuck, and then one that is in Africa. So very interesting. But I am the only Kiantha Duncan. uh, And unfortunately, I am this isn't unfortunate. This is fortunate, but it has an unfortunate result. I'm a grandmother. So that's what people should know too. And because I am a grandmother, that is my excuse for why I am not on top of all of my social media. And I am hoping that this sweet little face I know will help me out with that. But, um, so my Instagram is not, is not up to date. Um, my, my LinkedIn, I can't remember the password for and hasn't been changed in years, but Facebook is how you can reach me the easiest right now. And hopefully over the next couple months, I'll, I'll get that cleaned up. Well, I love that we've been able to connect and, uh, it has been the true bright spot of the entire quarantine that we've gotten to know each other. And I can't wait to take you out for coffee with Melissa so we can just chat. Absolutely. Oh, see all the things that you're up to because it changes every day. I feel like you're adding more to your plate, but you're able to spin a whole lot of plates there, girl. So yeah, we're looking yeah. forward to seeing what's next with you. Well, I'm happy that my nephews, so your your sons, who I call my nephews, I, I am happy to know them and I am happy to be a, a figure in their life to help them have a direct connection with a person of color. You know, I, I see myself as like I will be a part of their story. They will remember, well, we had this neighbor and Miss Kiantha and she was my aunt and she (laughs) did this and, you know, we did her lawn and, you know, all of the little things. That to me is also how you fight racism. As simple as it is, and it's, it's just being kind to a child. 
letting them get to know you as a human being, asking them about their day and how they're feeling and how they're managing everything that's going on. But they're hearing those questions from someone that doesn't look like them, which then helps them feel safe to be in relationship with someone that doesn't look like them. So those boys are actually my best way of fighting racism <laughs> right now. It is not the NAACP. It is through my white nephews. <laughs> and you know, they just adore you. Yes, they are I sweet. I just cannot believe how lucky we have been to get to make that connection and give them that opportunity. And if they only knew how fortunate they were to have the president of the Spokane NAACP actually going to talk to them on a daily basis. It's right. They'll learn so much just they'll from remember. those interactions. They will remember. Yeah. So that's why I encourage everyone to be intentional. That, again, goes back to that showing up from a place of love. Be intentional. I intentionally want to make a good mark in your son's lives. I intentionally want them to know the black lady who lived around the corner, who who made mac and cheese for us, or who yes. did this thing. Like, Ugh. I want them to know that because I know it's important. Our experiences are what what determines how we see the world. So if we give people good experiences, then they'll have opportunities to have good thoughts about people that don't look like them. Let me say that mac and cheese was a good experience. I'm going to have to It's about time to see some more. Absolutely. (laughs) And as a quick, just aside, if people do want to get involved more, um, how should they go to the the Spokane NAACP? Yes, Spokane NAACP. Dot com is the way to uh, engage with the organization. We are working with Treatment, who is an organization that's going to be creating this amazing site for us that is really developed around connecting with every area of our community. The NAACP is available to provide support and to walk with organizations on their equity journey, so we can do that. We're also able to bring communities together, and not just black communities, but really all BIPOC communities we support and serve so get involved get it just join membership is $30 a year <laughs> nominal I'll leave if you if you need the $30 listen grandma will give it to you because <laughs> I want you to have access to the resources and the plethora of beautiful people who believe in social justice I want you to have that resource so consider Thank you so much, Kanta. It was an absolute honor to get to speak with you. And we have much more to say, so maybe you'll be a guest again. Okay, I'll come back. I will come back. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'll be knocking on your door and asking. Thank you again. Very good.